Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hello and welcome to the latest episode of The Dugout. I'm Pascal Lemaire and Barney Cork is on the line as we reflect on this week's captivating European action. Loads to look back on and there's also Premier League talking points and Manchester United going through in the FA Cup. Uh, we should probably start with the Champions League, Barnes, but I'll let you have your moment on Liverpool. Uh, amazing night at Anfield. Um, you still got a big grin on your face, I see. Um, just talk me through the match. Yeah, it was absolutely incredible, wasn't it? Just one of the. It was always going to be a pretty special night at Anfield, but the, the manner the game actually panned out as well was just. It was unbelievable. To go two goals down after 10 minutes, everyone's right in Liverpool off there. Most of Liverpool fans wouldn't have expected to come back in, in that scenario against the Dortmund side, who was so good. They weren't very good in the first leg, but in that first 10 minutes, they were just they just ripped through Liverpool twice and were so clinical on those two occasions as well. And you, you felt that that wouldn't be the last of their goals, the way they started that match as well. They were just the, they were at their best. The Bamiyang in particular, with his pace in behind, was causing so many problems. But Liverpool, they responded really well to that. A lot of teams would have let their heads drop after conceding two goals, um, and just Dortmund dampening the atmosphere so quickly at Anfield. But Liverpool fought really, fought back really well, and they they created a lot of half chance in the first half without hitting the target. Finally, did get that goal back in the. Uh, early stage of the second half and then Voice obviously looks like he's put the game beyond them again uh, just before the hour mark but the comeback the last 25 minutes that was just incredible when that when Sacco scored uh, in the 77th minute to make it 3 all on the night you just felt that this was going to be Liverpool's night as Thomas Tuchel the Dortmund manager said after that it was pretty much destiny that Liverpool would go on to win it after that and it, it did feel like that it was just one of those really really special occasions and I know it is only the Europa League but in my lifetime that's right up there by the Olympiacos and the Chelsea semi-final Champions League victories because it was the the atmosphere was special, the occasion was worthy of the Champions League, the, the opposition were Champions League quality as well. So everything about it just felt like a really special night. Yes, it was a Europa League, but it was such a such a good night for Liverpool. And it's the type of night that does actually it, it makes a season. You'll remember that for years and years to come. And I know. For the vast majority of this season, Liverpool have been disappointed. Look at their league position, eighth in the table, is nowhere near good enough. But that that result will will stand out, especially if they then go on and win the tournament, which obviously is a big, still a big ask with uh, a couple of tough ties to come. Uh, whoever they come up against, um, still a long way to go for them. But that result will live long in the memory. It was a fantastic night, a fantastic result, and it does show that Liverpool are moving in the right direction under Klopp. I think. Yeah, definitely. Like you said, it's one of those nights that will be remembered, you know, for a long, long time. But as, as you were saying, you know, eighth in the ta- eighth in the Premier League table, you know, it's still only through to the semi-finals of the Europa League. You know, they could go out there. Say if they finish where they are now, eighth in the table, that would be, you know, uh, no European football through qualification in the table. Obviously, not winning the Europa League. There's still quite a bit to do, isn't there? There's a lot of uh, obviously it feels very good there at the moment, but they've still got quite a bit to do this season. Yeah, certainly. And Klopp will be the last person who needs telling that. He'll know that one night if they don't back that result up then it's pretty meaningless but it's it's just the moment really they gave the fans there you haven't really had though that that moment too often in Liverpool's recent history we haven't really had that since you get into the latter stages of the Champions League 10 years ago more than that so 
it was just a, a it was so good to have a night like that back at Anfield last time we went to the Champions League which I know it was Europa League as I mentioned but it was a Champions League calibre tie last time they went to the Champions League it was so disappointing because he went out in the group stages didn't live up to expectations after the season before when Liverpool was so exciting in the Premier League so it was just nice to have that sort of atmosphere and that sort of occasion back at Anfield because it is one of the great European grounds it's great European nights there they've had so many down the years and it was it was it ranks right up there with any of them in my lifetime. So would you put that say above the Gerard goal against Olympiacos? Would that would that sort of eclipse that? Oh, that's a tough one. <laughs> Obviously, I, I think because we went on and win the, we won the Champions League that year. I think Gerard still has to be narrowly above that. But the opposition were better uh, last night than they were back in two thousand and four when Gerard scored that goal. So. Uh, it's, it's it's right up there I'd st- I think I'd still put Olympiacos and Chelsea just above it because it was the Champions League and we went on to win it that year both obviously key moments in that run um, maybe it might change if we go on to win the Europa League this season but it's just behind them but it's it's probably third in that list it was an incredible night OK we'll come back to Liverpool a bit later because the, uh, the draw is actually just being made for the semi-finals but the, the draw for the Champions League semi-finals has been made and um, really interesting ties well it was always going to be interesting whatever ties were thrown up Manchester City Real Madrid Atletico Madrid and Bayern Munich they were the four teams there uh, City they will play Real Madrid at home in the first leg and then Atletico and Bayern uh, in the other tie what do you make of those two matches? Yeah as you mentioned though, whatever um, sequence of uh, ties that came up I think it was going to be pretty interesting and it is it is a good one I think but I think Atletico Madrid versus Bayern is really intriguing because Madrid as they showed in the last round against Barcelona they they're the one team I think everyone will be pretty scared of because they have the ability to just if they can uh, prevent Messi, Suarez and Neymar from scoring they can prevent anyone from scoring so they've got the ability to just grind out a result against any team in the world on their day and I was backing uh, Barcelona to do another treble from the start and I was quite surprised that he didn't but by all accounts Atletico Madrid deserved to go through in that tie and it was another just Simeone masterclass by all accounts so this can be really difficult Bayern are now favourites for the tournament um, now that Barcelona have gone out so Atletico Madrid can get past Bayern as well then you'd fancy them against either uh, Man City or Real Madrid in the final having knocked out the two tournament favourites it's a really tough route to the final for Atletico but if they can do it that's a fantastic way of getting there uh, Manchester City Real Madrid that's another intriguing one I think that that was probably the best um, chance we had of, an, of, of a really open tie of any of the four teams I think both sides will look to attack there um, Man City already pulled off a bit of a shock against PSG to get through to the last four and anything can really happen in the last four it's going to be difficult because we know the qualities Real Madrid have not least Cristiano Ronaldo who's in fantastic form himself as he was to get him through against Wolfsburg so two really intriguing ties I, I I, th- I would back probably Real Madrid to get through against Man City. I think that that's the um, the most clear cut of the two ties. Atletico Madrid versus Bayern. After what happened in the last round, I think that's anyone's guess really. Yeah, I think City and Real Madrid. I think they both will be quite happy with that tie because I think after what's been happening and you know well, Bayern's pedigree, having Guardiola in charge, I think Atletico and Bayern would have wanted to draw one of those other two teams. I think. City would have been the side that I think the other three would have wanted to draw just because obviously this is their first time in the semi-finals and um, they probably are the weakest team uh, there of the four. But I think as for Atletico, what you were saying there about the Barcelona game, I saw a stat about that night that Atletico managed, um, I think Messi, he failed to complete a single pass to Suarez uh, and only managed to pass once to Neymar in that whole game in the second leg, which is an amazing feat from Atletico. The way they defended there, you know, took their chances, uh, won the penalty, clear handball it was from Iniesta as well and uh, the opening goal from Griezmann, fantastic header as well. And 
I think it was such a big night for Simeone. I think because he'd lost, I think it was his last eight games against Luis Enrique. So given that Atletico, everyone says how good they are on the big occasion with their defending and all that. But in recent, in the last couple of seasons, he hasn't been able to get uh, one over on Enrique and Barca. So for them to win 2-0 there, not concede. You know, Messi was desperate to score as well. He hadn't, it was uh, over 350 minutes. I think he'd gone uh, without a goal going into that match. So to, for them to deny them like that, uh, stop Barca scoring and go through in that way, uh, very, very impressive. Um, and they now come up against Bayern, who, you know, the first leg against Benfica, just 1-0 at home. And uh, the tie was finally poised there. And, you know, Benfica then score uh, early on in the second leg. And it was it looked like it was really up for grabs. But in the end, Bayern, they just proved too strong, didn't they? Yeah, they did. And you can't argue against Bayern deserving that win because they were just utterly dominant. And that first Benfica goal came out of absolutely nothing. Bayern had, had about 75% possession. Benfica had only really been in Bayern's half once before that goal and it just came on the breaker. It was a fantastic ball forward, but you might say a bit of a hopeful one just thrown into the right area, but it turned out to be the perfect area for Raul Jimenez to get his head to it, beat two Bayern Munich defenders to the ball. Neuer, who's correctly praised so often, was really at fault for that goal. It was dreadful goalkeeping from him. He should have just come out and clattered everyone in front of him, but he tried to go behind the three players that were um, also going for the ball and he was never going to get it in that scenario. So, that, you know, that put the cat amongst the pigeons a bit for Bayern because they've been in such control and Benfica suddenly leveled things on aggregate. And with their home record, um, it was it was quite difficult for Bayern to get back into the match. They eventually did it with Vidal. Fantastic finish from him. It wasn't into a, it was into an empty net, but it was such a difficult ball to, to strike that one, bouncing on the edge of the box. Mm. And he just smashed it into the, the empty net. Really good finish from him. And then um, Benfica's defending from set pieces was puzzling all night. They just... As soon as the ball came in, they all seemed to sort of race out, and that led. You could t- you could see Guardiola had, at half time earmarked that he'd seen it happen in the first half, earmarked that because a couple of times in the second half they just put it to the back post and nodded it back down when they knew all the Benfica players would have um, rushed out, and that's exactly how the second goal came. And at that point, it really is tie over. You can't see Bayern Munich giving up that. Taliska did give Benfica a, a little bit of late hope with a late free kick, and then he. Uh, put another free kick wide uh, even later on with Neuer pretty much beaten he, he got outsmarting because he started going to over the wall as the first one had gone and then it went to the goalkeeper side and Neuer was almost beaten again which would have made things very interesting but um, yeah Bayern they deserved to go through and they weren't too convincing I wouldn't say they were at anywhere near their best really in either leg but it was never in any real doubt that they'd go through I think particularly once they got that second goal on the night the concern for them would be their away record in the Champions League is really surprisingly bad. They haven't won any of the last seven knockout games in the Champions League. I think they've only won two of their last nine or, uh, away games in the Champions League, including group games now. So that would be a concern, especially going to the Vicente Caldón with Atletico Madrid are so, um, so, so strong. So that will be a concern for them. But yeah, they deserve to go through, not at their best and not entirely convincing. So while I, I put them in Barcelona... Um, in the last round in a category of their own I think it's much closer between them and the likes of Atletico and Real Madrid now Yeah and with Atletico you'd probably say that given the way Barcelona play and the way obviously Guardiola likes his Bayern team to play it's not that different a playing style so Atletico will be happy you know they, they, they're used to putting loads of men behind the ball they work so well as a unit their defence and midfield they work so hard so I think you know I think even though you'd probably say Bayern probably the strongest team there you know I don't think Atletico would be too disappointed with that because Having beaten Barcelona, you know, like, like we've said so many times this season, uh, Barca, the way they've been playing the last couple of years, arguably the best club team ever in terms of just the, the amount of talent in that squad. And they've managed to beat them, you know, not comfortably, but they certainly deserve to go through over the two legs. So I think Atletico, really a team to look out for there. And 
I mean, the interesting thing with going back to Bayern is that if they go through and City win, then it's obviously Guardiola's Bayern uh, against City, the team he's going to in the summer in the final. That could be a very interesting time. I mean, City, great achievement for them, finally getting to the semi-finals after you know quite a few years now of, of failing in the knockout stages in Europe and. Uh, beating PSG it was I mean it was a good win I mean the game that, that was definitely probably the worst tie of the week that one City PSG on Tuesday night really not much in that 2-2 draw in the first leg that was an entertaining game but uh, that night PSG really disappointed me I thought you know didn't create many chances and uh, Kevin De Bruyne scored a fantastic goal to you know seal the win for City but I mean what did you make of that performance from City just solid enough on the night yeah, I thought it was pretty impressive. Defensively, there's so many questions. There has been all season without company, but Otamendi and Mangala, they just completely limited PSG. PSG, we know with the talent they've got in attack with the likes of Di Maria, Ibrahimovic, Cavani. They didn't create a good chance until 10 minutes before the end of the match. It was Obviously, that's partly down to poor uh, play from PSG, and like you, I was so disappointed with them. They were nowhere near their best. They were uh, not close to their best in the first leg and got, got the two-all draw, and there was even worse in the second leg. City really deserved to go through over the two legs. Obviously, not many people did give them a chance when the draw was made because PSG, they're two quite similar clubs with the, the cash that they've had coming in for the Middle East and both see the Champions League as the holy grail. But PSG, they got more experience, really, um, at that stage of the competition. It was Man City's first uh, quarterfinal, PSG's fourth in a row, but... PSG gone out in that stage now four years in a row and they can have no complaints because they, they bottled it really on the big occasion uh, Man City deserved the victory it was a good solid display from them the, the pretty much the one prediction uh, the, the tie was finally poised after the first leg but the one prediction everyone was pretty sure of was that PSG would at least score at the Etihad they wouldn't, uh, City wouldn't be able to keep a clean sheet without company and up against the likes of Ibrahimovic but they were so solid at the back and they'll be so happy with that performance and obviously that result to get through to the last four of the Champions League where, as I said earlier, anything can happen really and it'll be it's a, an interesting match-up them, them against Real Madrid. They'll, they'll certainly feel that they've got a chance with the players at their disposal. If they can get the likes of Yaya Torre back fit and some and company back fit by then, then they've got a strong spine and, you know, that one's certainly... I, I would put Real Madrid as favourites but City will go into that tie thinking they do have a chance. Yeah, definitely. And just touching on what you said about Toro there, I mean, I saw saw quite a few people saying, you know, on the night that City, in those kind of games where they need to work hard and uh, to, to stop teams scoring, I think Toro, they, they see them as a bit of a hindrance in that team because he doesn't work quite as hard. And I mean, when you've got to say, you know, it means if, if Toro's not playing, it means you can play sort of De Bruyne in perhaps a more freer role. And he's he's looked so good since he came back. And it'd be interesting to see, you know, what Pellegrini does with Toro now because they've played really well in that tie without him there. And uh, certainly be interesting to see what they do and I mean Real Madrid like you say I mean I, th- I think it's probably the best draw for City because even though Real you know did come back and beat Wolfsburg 3-0 um, in the second leg there Ronaldo getting his hat-trick like you said he's got an amazing scoring record uh, in the Champions League this season but you know they did lose 2-0 uh, over in Germany and Wolfsburg had chances at the Bernabeu in that match as well so I think certainly Real even though Obviously, they've got great pedigree in this competition. Ronaldo, he can change games. You know, they beat Barcelona recently as well. I think certainly for City, it probably is the best draw for them. And that title is quite even. I mean, City would have preferred the second leg at home, I'm sure. But um, I certainly give them a chance in that game. And I mean, I think if they'd drawn Atletico or Bayern, I I wouldn't have really given them much of a chance in any of those games. But I think against Real, they certainly do uh, have a really good chance to get through. Yeah, and if they had drawn Bayern, you've got to assume that Guardiola's already. started looking into that whole Man City uh, squad and he'd know all the players back to front you'd think by now so he'd be you'd think he'd be pretty well set up to to face them and as, as you mentioned earlier Atletico Madrid 
if Barcelona can't beat them, you couldn't really see Man City beating them. So I, I, I agree with you that it's probably the best, um, the best draw they could have got. And there is the Ronaldo factor for Real Madrid. He can just win a game single-handedly, as he did in the second leg in the quarterfinals to get them through. So there's nothing really Man City can do about that. You can try and limit his influence, but if he's really on his game... You know you're going to have limited success doing that because he's such a such a top class player. Man City though they can they can still improve from their performances over PSG, which will be the uh, the positive for them. The likes of Aguero obviously missed the penalty against PSG. He was a bit of a threat, but he wasn't his usual clinical self in front of goal. So if they can get him firing again, he hasn't really been at his uh, at top form for quite a while now for City. Um, when he is on top form, he is one of the best strikers in, in the world. So if they can get him on top form. De Bruyne behind him, as you rightly said earlier, has been superb since coming back from injury. If they can get those players on top form, then they certainly have the ability to hurt a Real Madrid defence, which has looked shaky at times this season. Yeah, definitely. I think, well, I think presuming most people would probably pick the winner uh, to come from the tie between Atletico and Bayern, uh, whoever gets to the final in Milan. And uh, for me personally, I think, I mean, Bayern are the current favourites with the bookies, you know, j- just ahead of, um, and Real Madrid's second favourites. I'm really surprised Atletico third favourites, because for me, I think you'd make, have to make them favourites for the competition, given just how they restricted Barcelona in that match. They've obviously got to the final uh, recently as well, when they lost to Madrid, uh, lost to Real Madrid in that in that derby final. And, you know, we could have another derby in the final this year, but for me, Atletico are favourites. What about you? Yeah, it's so difficult between Atletico and Bayern. I think Atletico deserve to be at least second favourites. Bayern, on their day, they've got the ability to cut any team apart, even Atletico Madrid. And the the result against uh, Barcelona is worth remembering that Barcelona have already beaten them three times before that this season. So Atletico Madrid are certainly beatable. Um, it's just a case of whether they can limit the Bayern. If, if Bayern have another sort of off day like they did against Benfica, well, maybe not an off day, maybe that might be a bit harsh on them because they did get through in the end, but aren't at their their very best against Atletico and Atletico are at their very best, then you're back Atletico to come through. But I would say the winner would come from that tie. I can see Atletico, if they came up against either Man City or Real Madrid in the final, being able to, to stifle them. And if Bayern came up against Man City or Real Madrid in the final, I could see them being able to just outclass them. So I, I would predict the, the winner to come from that tie. Um, just a quick question on um, Lewandowski. He was obviously benched in that second leg uh, by Guardiola. Um, was he really ineffectual in the first game? Is that why he was benched? He was, it was one of the quietest games I've seen him have, but he wasn't the only one in that first leg. Muller was pretty quiet as well. There were reports um, from Germany that came out during the match, actually, that he had been in a car crash on the Sunday, which wasn't too serious, but that might have been a reason behind him being on the bench. But it was certainly a surprise from Guardiola to leave him out. Um, he did come on. Uh, for a bit of a cameo late on but um, yeah it was a big surprise to say it wasn't he was pretty ineffectual in the first leg and he hasn't been at his best recently I I think it had gone three games without scoring which for the vast majority of players is is not exactly a drought but for Lewandowski in the form he's been in this season is but you'd expect him to come back in for these these big games especially against Atletico Madrid where it's so hard to score against them you've got a player who scored 44 goals in I think his 49 games for club and country this season so you'd expect him to come back in it was a surprise for him to be left out but in the end it didn't really hurt um, Bayern because Muller played up front and got the goal Yeah so I mean they look, look like two great ties they're taking place on the 26th and 27th of April and then a uh, 3rd and 4th of uh, May so that they look really good but let's move on to the Europa League draw uh, just been made um, you don't know what it is so here you go H- who would you have wanted to draw as a Liverpool fan out of the four teams? Well, I think probably it's, every tie is going to be a tough one, but I think I'd probably prefer Shakhtar. Obviously, they did really well against Braga, thrashed them in um, in the quarter final six one. But Braga aren't their strongest opponent, so I probably would 
go for Shakhtar. Sevilla got such a good record in this competition recently, and Villarreal doing well in La Liga this season. So Shakhtar would have been my preferred choice, I think. Okay, so the first tie that came out was Shakhtar versus Sevilla. Uh, and then Villarreal Liverpool so Liverpool have got the second leg uh, back at Anfield uh, Villarreal came out first in that one but uh, initial reaction to those two ties yeah they, they sound good again like, like the Champions League well, the Europa League's been so good this season it's been, there's been a lot of Champions League calibre matches taking place you think back to Liverpool United Dortmund Tottenham and then obviously Liverpool Dortmund in the quarterfinals and a lot of the teams Sevilla did really well in the Champions League uh, this season only finished third in their group behind Man City and Juventus I think it was so they're they're amongst the best teams in Europe as well. So there's a lot of good teams left in the tournament. Um, I think Villarreal and out, out of the quarterfinals, Villarreal and Shakhtar, they had the two easiest quarterfinals and mm. both went through pretty emphatically, scoring six goals um, over the two legs. The one team I would have wanted to avoid most with Liverpool is Sevilla. So, you know, Villarreal, they're probably the lesser of those two uh, Spanish evils left in the competition. So, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm relatively happy with that. Second leg back at Anfield, get the... A crowd going again it should be another good occasion there so yeah I'd back Liverpool to get through that one yeah certainly and I think they are favourites with the bookies to go through having you know Borussia Dortmund they were the tournament favourites <clears throat> going into that match and for Liverpool to beat them uh, the way they did was very very impressive and I mean like you said about uh, Shakhtar and uh, Villarreal uh, six goals in both legs but the opposition in both of those matches wasn't really up to scratch I mean you talk about some of the Champions League calibre teams we've seen but I don't think Braga or uh, Sparta Prague really um, were up to that standard I mean I saw I think I saw a stat about Prague that they, their conversion rate was so good they'd hardly created any chances in um, in previous matches and they were somehow scraping through and in the end Villarreal was just way too good for them over the two legs uh, Bakambu he looks like a real star he's scoring loads of goals for uh, Villarreal at the moment 6-3 on aggregate that was convincing but I mean Shakhtar that was the really impressive one because Braga I think they were unbeaten in five home games uh, going into the first leg Shakhtar go and win there 2-1 that wasn't a great game but you know Shakhtar just about did enough but then the home leg yesterday it was, it was weird because Braga they started they started the match well again you know looked quite comfortable plenty of possession couldn't really create many chances uh, they should have had a penalty uh, Braga early on which would have given them a, a 1-0 lead and obviously put them in a really good position the referee didn't give it it was a bad decision he gave a corner um, and then about 10 minutes later, Shakhtar themselves got a penalty, uh, which the referee did give, um, stuck it away. And from then on, uh, it was way too easy for the Euro- Ukrainian team. Uh, 4-0 winners on the night, Braga kind of gave up. And, you know, Shakhtar's wins, uh, the three wins they've had in the knockout stages, uh, 3-0 over Schalke, uh, 4-1 over Anderlecht, and 6-1 against Braga. I mean, it's not the same type of competition, as you say, that Liverpool have beaten, for example, but... Still very, very, they look like a very confident team. And I think that's not an easy draw for Sevilla, who, you know, like we've said before, they won this uh, competition the last two years. Uh, they love the Europa League. Um, but they needed to come to a penalty shootout against Bilbao. Um, that was a really interesting tie. Bilbao, they had chances to win it in extra time, couldn't take it. Uh, and then Sevilla just held their nerve in the penalty shootout. And, I mean, it's, it's a really hard, a hard, hard one to call, I think. All four of those teams, it's really, really difficult. Liverpool just favourites, but you'd probably say any of them could win it. Yeah, and if you're going on solely on this season, you'll probably say Sevilla, probably fourth favourites out of them because the performance in La Liga this season, they're um, struggling to get into the European places, but their record in this competition is so impressive. No team's lifted the trophy, including the UEFA Cup, more often they've gone it four times now, as you say, two of which in back-to-back years. And- Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. 
LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. The last two years, looking to become the first ever site to do it three years in a row. Um, I think Athletic deserve a, a mention because to, to take Sevilla to penalties in that game when Sevilla had won the away leg 2-1, Sevilla had uh, won 11 straight Europa League home games in a row before that one. So to win 2-1 there, it's a really good effort from them. But obviously, as you mentioned, Sevilla come through on penalties and they they do look unstoppable really in this in this competition. It's so hard to beat them. They, they really like it. As I say, they dropped in from the Champions League. They impressed in the Champions League as well. So they're going to be a tough team to beat. Shacked up, obviously no one's going to look forward to going to Ukraine. So that's going to be a difficult away game for Sevilla. Um, especially, really is an, an interest, intriguing um, semi-final draw that I think any of the four teams left in the tournament are capable of winning it. Yeah, they look really good. Uh, I think excellent ties. Like you said, the Europa League has been not a breath of fresh air, but certainly compared to some recent years where you know there's been some minnows maybe get uh, further into the competition and some of the ties haven't been great. This season's Europa League has been you know games like last night. We had penalties in Sevilla. Obviously, amazing what Liverpool did. Uh, Anfield, so it's been it's certainly been a very good year for the Europa League, I think, and uh, like we said, the Champions League, uh, those those ties look excellent as well. So we're really looking forward to those games uh, later this month and then into May as well. Um, but let's move on now. Let's come back to England um, before we go to sort of last week's Premier League games and looking ahead to this week. Let's just quickly touch on uh, the FA Cup replay in midweek: uh, Manchester United against West Ham uh, and Louis Van Gaal. I mean, not necessarily saving his job in that one, but you know, United. It was an impressive win on the night, to be fair, um, given that West Ham, you know, they drew three all with Arsenal. That was a, an amazing Premier League game at the weekend. And I think West Ham, it was such a big night for the club. I saw, I got a couple of West Ham fans on Twitter and they were saying, this is our biggest game of the season. We have to get to Wembley. Uh, they've had an amazing campaign, West Ham, uh, their last season at the Berlin ground, but they did disappoint in that match. And, you know, it was a good result for United, but really disappointing for West Ham. Yeah, there's a good performance by United by all accounts as well. And Certainly a lot of positives to take from that. Rashford getting an, another goal, a 6-11 and 11 since he's broken into the first team. So he, he continues to score. He's been a, a, a breath of fresh air, really, for United side who were labouring a bit. And it's just results like that, really, that you mentioned not saving Van Gaal's job, but it, it could be a, he could do a rescue job if he manages to pick up a bit of silverware and then maybe get into the top four, which is obviously looking a bit of a tall order after the defeat to Tottenham last weekend, um, then that might be enough to salvage a job and it would be a good rescue job from where United have found themselves for much of the season. The thing with United um, at the moment, though, is they keep getting these these good wins which maybe think make make people think there's brighter times ahead but then they fall to a disappointing defeat it's happened recently in the Premier League you know they beat an Arsenal and Watford and then lost to West Brom and Liverpool in the Europa League and then they've gone and beaten Man City they beat an Everton and then they lose to Tottenham in the Premier League so it seems to be you know one step forward one step back for them at the moment um, under Louis van Gaal they, they don't seem to be making too much progress to get into the FA Cup semi-finals is a big thing for them though they, they haven't won the competition since 2004 which is a long long time for a club like them considering um, when they lifted that uh, trophy in 2004 they became the, the most uh, decorated club in the competition's history so it's a long time for them to go without it it would be important for Van Gaal um, to lift a bit of silver certainly give him a bit of uh, argument for staying in the summer but um, 
you know, there's still a long way to go in the semi-finals, and you never know with this United side because they've been so un- unpredictable all season. You don't know if they're going to have an on day or an off day, really. And who, um, whoever they come up against, if should they get through to the semi-finals in the final, will still fancy their chance against United because it's not the United of old, really. You, you go into that game, they've lost their fear factor, and anyone will fancy their chances now against them. Yeah, certainly. And I think just going back to what you said about Rashford, it was. I mean, it was a superb goal the way he dropped his shoulder, cut inside, curled it right into the top corner. Fantastic goal. But the interesting thing now for Van Gaal is, you know, Rooney uh, came off the bench right at the end in that game. He's back. He's fit again, Rooney now. And obviously the only reason Rashford ever really got a chance is because of injuries to Rooney and some of the other senior players. And uh, Rashford's burst onto the scene, uh, only 18 years old. And I think Manu, they've won uh, every single game that he's scored in as well. So he obviously does play. He has been playing a key part for them the last couple of months. Um, but it's, it's going to be interesting now to see what Van Gaal does because Rooney's the captain. You know, you would expect him to play, but where does he fit in then? If, if Rashford's playing well, you've obviously got Martial, who still looks uh, very bright in most games. It'd be interesting to see his selection there. And uh, at the other end of the pitch, you know, even though West Ham largely disappointed, they got that goal back, um, and then they really started to pile the pressure on United at the end. And it was David de Gea uh, to the rescue again. I mean, the amount of times this season that he has saved them and the amount of key saves he's made and certainly saves that you know I mean a lot of goalkeepers you know they, they make saves but you think right he probably should have made that saves but the amount of saves the Haya makes where you think that was more likely to go in than him to save it there was one against West Ham where it took a deflection and he somehow stuck his leg out and managed to divert it over the bar I really don't know how he did it and you just wonder where, I mean, where do you think United would be if say they had just like a more average goalkeeper between the sticks well, yeah, it's a worrying thought for United. Obviously, De Gea didn't start the season in goal because of the whole saga with um, Real Madrid. And if they had lost him uh, in the summer to Real Madrid, then for me, I think they'd be in and around mid-table because he does save a significant amount of points a season for them. And not just points, as he's mentioned, uh, getting through to the FA Cup without him in such good form. They might not have been in the semi-finals of the FA Cup now. So he really is priceless to United. I think there's going to be a lot of people... Um, maybe put Kasper Schmeichel in their team of the year at the end of the season but for me I think the goalkeeper's got to be De Gea because even though United as a team and as a club have had a really disappointing season De Gea has been in superb form as well and as you mentioned where they would be without him is a worrying thought for United they'll be desperate I think Real Madrid with their um, transfer ban this summer are going to um, splash a bit of cash maybe if, they, if they're if still allowed to sign transfers and the appeal doesn't get rejected before then if they come back in for De Gea it's going to be nervy times for United because he's their most important player now and I think if they lose him they could be in a bit of trouble Definitely yeah. and just one other player uh, we haven't really mentioned uh, at all really is uh, Fosu Mensah he like Rashford has come in a uh, very young player and he I mean he has looked really good I mean obviously it's, it's just been a, a short you know sample period but I mean he, he's looked excellent I thought and you know, those three goals Spurs scored in six minutes at the weekend, they all came, I mean, I'm not saying it's directly linked, but they all came after he went off and he, he's looked really excellent for them. I mean, what have you made of him, his performances? Yeah, he's been impressive and it's, Van Howe, to his credit, has brought a lot of youngsters into the side and they've done well, obviously, that is because of the injuries. I don't think it was his intention ever to blood all these youngsters in the team and um, his, his hand has been forced, but the youngsters he has brought in have applied themselves really well and they deserve credit for that. Um Rashford obviously making most of the headlines but as you mentioned Fosu Mensah has made a really bright start to his United career um, it is still very very early days he's still got a lot to prove but certainly promising signs and even in, uh, other defenders the likes of Borthwick Jackson has looked pretty good when mm. he's played as well so 
there are uh, positives from this season for United, even if they don't win the FA Cup, even if they don't get into the Champions League. The fact that they've they've got a few youngsters with a bit of Premier League experience under the belt who actually look like they could have a bit of promise about them is certainly a positive for them. Definitely, yeah. and obviously now they've gone through, they face Everton at uh, Wembley later this month uh, in the semi-final. And, I mean, I, I live with an Everton scene to get hold of, and he said he would have rather faced Man United in that game than West Ham. And I mean, but the problem is for Everton, they, they've just looked really bad recently. That they played that same night on Wednesday. Uh, they've, they've got a couple of games to catch up on in the Premier League. They go to Crystal Palace, who you know they did beat Norwich at the weekend, but that was their first win in uh, since Christmas, I think. So, and Everton going there, they had uh, McCarthy sent off, nil-nil uh, draw there. Um, Lukaku let me down. I triple captain him on fantasy football. Really let me down this week. Um, but as for Everton as a team, it's just their season's tailed off so badly. And the thing is, uh, after that match, Roberto Martinez he said, you know, I thought I thought we did. It was an incredible performance for us to, uh, you know, get a draw there after we'd had a man sent off. And that's it's not what you want to hear really for a team. You know, you look at their squad, the quality they've got there, and you, you go into a side like Crystal Palace who have been struggling so much they're down in 16th in the table and for Everton to get go there and not score even having a man sent off it's just been I mean it has been so disappointing for them in recent weeks hasn't it yeah and it's now five league games without a win for them the, the, the one thing about them is they they do have you mentioned the quality in their squad they do have the quality in their squad to pull off a result like that and they've usually come away from home but even that has been they've had three away Premier League games in a row now and they haven't played particularly well in any of them you mentioned the United um, FA Cup game coming up. Uh, coming up, the game, uh, the Premier League game at Old Trafford. That was a really poor game. We said it was quite unpredictable because you have got two teams. You don't really know what form of them is going to turn up because they've been United have been poor at times and decent at times. Everton have been exciting at times and then really poor at times. So that was a really poor game. Hopefully, the FA Cup semi final is a bit better than that. But Everton, as as a team, they they need to improve. There's obviously the signs popping up now that um, they want Martinez out and. The pressure certainly is starting to build on him. It has been such a disappointing season for them, and there've been flo- like fl- flurries of times where they've looked good and looked capable of scoring so many goals, and they're amongst the highest scorers in the league, to be fair. But for them to be down in twelfth with the squad at his disposal is simply not good enough, really. Not at all, no. And just looking back to some of those other results uh, last weekend in the Premier League, I mean, probably the biggest one, maybe at the bottom of the table, uh, was Palace Norwich, and I mean. It was a huge win for Palace because, like I said just a few moments ago, that they hadn't won a game since Christmas. They, they'd they been you know plummeted from about fifth in the table all the way down to 16th. And, I mean, that win for them, they're up to 38 points now, seven clear of Norwich in 17th. And I know we sort of said it a few times in recent weeks, but, I mean, it definitely looks now a uh, three-team race for those uh, two relegation spots. And, I mean, this weekend, another huge game for Norwich. They've already played Newcastle a couple of weeks back beat them obviously went to Palace and lost there and now they host Sunderland at home the team just below them in the table four points behind I mean Sunderland do have a game in hand but I mean that game it really is do or die for those two teams in that one isn't it yeah it's absolutely huge Allardyce described it as a must not lose rather than a must win which gives us a um, an indication of what he's going to go into that game and you can see his thinking there because that game in hand is so big but that game in hand doesn't come until the penultimate game of the season and it's against Everton who as I've just mentioned are quite unpredictable so you don't really know what you're going to get with them it's a I think I think if I was Sunderland, I would go for the win there. So not only, obviously, to get the points on the board, but it would really kickstart the end of their season to get a victory over their closest rivals, move them one point with that game still in hand. It would give them a huge psychological boost. And it's what's happened the last few um, seasons. They, they pick up a win and they go on a bit of a roll at the end of the season. Um, obviously, it's a bit of a blow that it comes at Caro Row for them rather than at the Stadium of Light, but... Um, if I was Sam Allardyce there, I think I, my main priority would be going there and getting a win because 
as you mentioned, it is a bit do or die for them. I think if Norwich win that match, then uh, it's over. I think Sunderland and Newcastle going down, Norwich are staying up. So um, you can see why Allardyce is thinking the main priority is not losing. But if they can get a win there, and I think they, they should push for a victory, maybe try and sneak a 1-0 or something, then it gives them a huge boost. And then suddenly from being four points behind, I would put um, Sunderland as probably favourites to stay up if they can get a win at Carrow Road. Yeah, absolutely massive. And given how the table looks, you'd probably even say maybe it might just be between Norwich and Sunderland because it hasn't worked out for Mr. Benitez uh, in Newcastle as it, you know, another defeat, uh, 3-1 at Southampton uh, last weekend. I mean, they do also have a game in hand on Norwich, but it's a six-point gap now. And I, I just, you can't see them clawing it back. There's no reason to think that, really. They've been poor for a long time now. Benitez has come in, hasn't really made a difference. Um, they look down. I mean, Villa... They're they're not quite gone uh, confirmed as relegated yet, but uh, they will be this weekend. I mean, unless they go and win at Old Trafford, which uh, you can't really see happening. But so Villa down, but I mean, it really looks like Newcastle are going to join them. Yeah, it does. They've only got one point from the last seven games, which is pretty diabolical form when they really needed an upturn in form. And you look ahead to the games coming up. They've got City and Liverpool in the next two after this weekend against Swansea. So. You can't see them getting too many points from there, and time really is running out of them. Crystal Palace, Aston Villa, in their two after that, you'd maybe see them getting a few points from there, but then they finish the season against Tottenham, and when you consider their um, six points behind, and that game in hand they've got against Norwich does come against Manchester City, who are still fighting for the, to secure their Champions League place as well, things look pretty bleak for the Newcastle. I think that result was almost the final nail in the coffin last weekend against Southampton. It's looking really... Um, not looking promising at all for them. As for Aston Villa, they could even be down before they play um, United if Norwich get anything against uh, Sunderland in the early kickoff. So I think that's just a case of the inevitable being confirmed this week. The 15 points from safety, 15 points left to play for, dreadful goal difference, and it's hard to argue against them deserving their place amongst the Premier League's worst ever teams. I think only two other teams have ever got a few lower points tally. They've only won three games all season. Eddie Howe last week after Bournemouth beat them described it as a toxic atmosphere it's just it's a really sorry state of affairs at the club at the moment and it's inevitable that they're going to go down this weekend and it's just really confirming what we've all known for a long time yeah definitely Uh, Villa obviously never been relegated in the Premier League era but they are going to go down uh, this weekend there's no surely there's no way they're going to go and win uh, at Old Trafford and like you say it could it could already be confirmed by the time they kick off there and uh, enough doom and gloom let's go to the top of the table um, Leicester again uh, winning uh, Vardy uh, ending his little mini drought with two against uh, Sunderland uh, they just they can't be stopped they can't be stopped and what a time everyone's talking about the pressure that is building on their shoulders every game that goes by but they answer every question and you know they've strung together their best run of form for 52 years now when they really needed it most <laughs> haven't gone five uh, top flight games in a row since 1963-64 there's been a bit of talk um, this week that they have been top of the table with five games left to go and absolutely collapsed at the end of the season um, back in the 60s when I think they drew one and then lost their final four games of the season and ended up finishing fourth. But it was a lot tighter then. Now they've got a seven-point gap on Tottenham. They can afford a bit of a slip-up, but they just don't seem like happening. It doesn't seem like happening at all. They didn't look like losing that game against Sunderland. It was pretty tight for the first half very nervy affair as you can imagine with so much on the line for both clubs but then Vardy got that goal um, in the second half and then another one late on 2-0 perhaps maybe flattered Leicester a little bit it looked like being yet another 1-0 win but it's just Sunderland didn't really look like scoring themselves apart from one glorious glorious chance for Rodwell which they might look back mm. on 
if they look back on that and it, it turns out that might have cost them some valuable points to stay up, that's a huge, huge moment. It was such a it was absolute sitter. He had to score there. So to put that over the bar, really disappointing and obviously has a huge effect at both ends of the table. But that was the only really time Sutherland really looked like scoring. And for Leicester now, five clean sheets in a row. First time they've ever done that in the top flight. Um, 11 in the last 15, having only kept three in their first 18 games. It's just incredible the way... They've not only carried on winning, but changed their style of winning. They've started the season just outscoring opponents. Now they're just keeping things tight at the back. And throughout the first half of the season, when we were saying that they have one of the worst defensive records in the league, despite leading the way, you know, now the only two teams have conceded fewer. And um, it's pretty close between them and United, who've got the second best defensive record in the division now. So really is a remarkable story. And they look like doing it now. I don't think there's too much doubt. Seven points clear of five games left with the form they're in. I can't see them throwing this one away now. Definitely not. And you'd say that Spurs are the only team that can really catch them now because Arsenal uh, last weekend, uh, that 3 all draw at West Ham is an incredible game there. You know, Arsenal uh, going 2-0 up um, because it was a big game for West Ham. You know, they've faulted in recent weeks and uh, for their sort of top top four hopes to sort of be reignited, they really needed to win that game and... Uh, they fell 2 0 down. Uh, it will be again impressing. You know, he set up the first two goals with two very nice passes. Uh, he he's looked excellent the last few weeks. But then West Ham, I think Andy Carroll either side of half time. It was a ten minute hat trick from him. Uh, really, really impressive from Carroll. And well, he just completely uh, bullied the Arsenal defence really. But then Arsenal did manage to come back and get a draw. But they're now thirteen uh, behind Leicester with a game in hand. So so if they win that, it's ten. But that's too big a gap to. Uh, claw back surely but you know Carroll he looked so good in that match but I think just quickly going back to United that was something they did so well in midweek because um, Carroll he looked so dangerous against Arsenal but he barely had barely did anything uh, against Man U in that FA Cup game apart from he got one free header and that led to Tomkins he sort of headed it back across and Tomkins scored but I think United defended so well there but uh, as for West Ham you know it wasn't a win for them they're now five points behind Man City in that race for fourth and given how they've sort of tailed off uh, in recent weeks, three draws in a row they've had. Um, you'd probably say their top four charges over? Yeah, I think so. I don't see Man City giving up five points over the last six games of the season. And even if they do slip up, United are, Manchester United are uh, a bit better place to, to take advantage of that. Um, it's, it's disappointing for West Ham because they've had such a good season. And I think they deserve European football, whether that comes in Europa League, if they finish sixth um, and the FA Cup works out that way, then they can get it then. I think they deserve European football to take into their first season at Olympic Stadium, but considering um, they've got a five-point gap to come up and this weekend they're away to Leicester City, I I can see them dropping more points there. Man City perhaps going a bit further clear. Um, Manchester United almost certainly going further clear um, at home to Aston Villa, which is a match you'd expect them to win. I think they've only lost one of their last 40 Premier League meetings with Villa, so their record against them is incredibly good. So you expect them to get three points there. You'd expect probably West Ham to, to lose more ground in that top four race. So it's, it is a shame because they, they look like pushing all the way to the end at one point. But whatever happens, it's been a really good season for them. Yeah, just looking at some of the other matches this weekend. I mean, say at the start of the season, if, you, if you'd been given this set of fixtures and said, you know, what's the standout uh, match on this list? You would have said Chelsea-Man City. But, you know, Chelsea are 10th in the table. Man City 4th. They're 15, 15 points behind Leicester. So that game doesn't carry the gravitas that maybe it would have done had uh, the season's gone to plan for those two but Chelsea I mean you know disappointing obviously they ha- we talked about Conte getting confirmed uh, last week but they went to Swansea and lost there another disappointing performance and I mean 10th in the table for Chelsea I mean the fact that Bournemouth you know a team uh, you know quite a small club who came up last season uh, from the championship first ever top flight season Bournemouth 
Uh, only three points behind Chelsea. That's that's incredible, isn't it? It is, and the thing about Chelsea is ever since Gus Hiddink came in, obviously he stopped the rot with the losses, and that Swansea defeat was his first defeat in the league, but mm. so many, far too many draws for them to really push on. If they had turned some of those draws into victories, they might actually be up there pushing for the European places, because Hiddink has he's done a pretty good job stabilising the club, but they, you'd expect more from them. I think as soon as Mourinho left, he lost that game to Leicester in December and then got sacked after that. I think at that point, it was season over for Chelsea and it was just a case of getting through to the end of campaign and then building for next season. The the, the most disappointing thing about the Swansea game is you thought this is your first chance to really impress Antonio Conte coming in. First game since he'd been confirmed and it was just such a lacklustre display from them. They they showed so little. There was a lot of injuries, missing a lot of key players like of Terry, Cahill, Hazard, uh, Costa, they were all missing for that game. So they were a bit of a weak inside, but still it's a really disappointing display. Big win for Swansea, obviously getting to 40 points and it looks like they're safe now. And uh, another feather in the cap of Francesco Greedlin who wants the job beyond the end of the current season. But for Chelsea, that was a really disappointing performance and result. Definitely, yeah. So plenty of uh, good games again this weekend. Just before we finish, um, we're just going to touch on La Liga quickly uh, because uh, it's got very interesting all of a sudden over in Spain, you know, a couple of weeks back, we were saying Barca have wrapped it up. Uh, it's all done there. But they've now uh, drawn and then lost their last two in a row. Uh, 76 points they've got after 32 games. Uh, Atletico, who they obviously just lost to in the Champions League, three points back. Real Madrid, four points back. Uh, it's back on, isn't it? It is back on, and it's just come out of the blue. Barcelona won such fantastic form. That Spanish record, I think it was 39 matches unbeaten in all competitions. But then... They've only won one of their last five now in all competitions. Two defeats in a row. They went into that weekend match against Real Sociedad. They got an, a dreadful record um, at, at at that ground. They've only I uh, don't think they've won there since 2007. So another defeat. You know, it seems to be their bogey ground. It probably wasn't the best ground they could have gone to in their first league game after El Clasico as well. So only one point now from the last nine available in the league. It's, it's opened the door right up for Atletico Madrid and they'll keep on grinding out those results. You know they will and Real Madrid, they won't give up um, hope just yet either. They're four points behind Barcelona so it is getting interesting the closing stages of the season. I think Barcelona the quality in their side did expect them to return to winning ways probably this weekend against Valencia at home. You'd see that as a, as a home win. Valencia don't have too much left to fight for this season so um, you gotta you gotta back Barcelona to to return to winning ways, but they've certainly opened the door and given the Madrid clubs a bit of hope in the closing stage of the season. Yeah, I think you'd probably say that even though with that dip in form, they, they you you would expect them to still go on and win the league, um, especially because you know Atletico and Real they are still going in the Champions League, and that's obviously huge for them as well. Uh, Barca now don't have that you know European burden, um, so. You'd probably say they're still still favourites to win it, but you know Messi he needs to sort his act out a bit. It's, I think about four hundred odd minutes now without a goal, um, but certainly you would expect him to come through in the end. And I think that's all we've got uh, time for this week, Barnes. Thanks a lot. Um, please head to the website sportsmall.co.uk this weekend. Um, we'll have live coverage of all the big games uh, in England and Spain. Uh, Barnes, thanks a lot, and thanks a lot uh, to you guys for listening. Um, see you again soon. Planning for your next trip. Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com trip for free shipping and 365-day returns.